New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Have you ever walked into a house and it just didn't feel right? Maybe it's your own home. Are there rooms you tend to avoid? Well, you might want to call a psychic house cleaner, one who can detect, identify, and clean up negative energy patterns in your home. One such person is Sheldon Norberg. Sheldon Norberg received his training at the Academy of Intuition Medicine and has developed an extensive practice in meditation and energetic space healing. He became an adjunct faculty member at the Academy of Intuition Medicine while earning his B.A. in Psycho-Spiritual Healing at San Francisco State University. He's a certified practitioner of Qinning Song, Chinese organ massage, a certified hypnotherapist, and a non-denominational minister who is trained in holotropic breathwork, alchemical divination, shamanism, and feng shui. He's the author of Healing Houses, My Work as a Psychic House Cleaner. Join us for the next hour as we explore the energy patterns in our homes with our guest, Sheldon Norberg. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Sheldon, welcome. Thank you so much, Justine. Thank you for coming up. Uh, I want to ask you, first of all, I know our, our listeners are wondering, okay, just what is psychic house cleaning? What do you mean by that? <laughs> it's, it's funny because I've searched for so long to come up with an accurate description for what I do. And uh, I think that was the, sort of the best uh, wording that I could uh, find. My practice has developed over many years in both trying to read and interpret the energy signatures I find in a house and massage them out of the house to energetically um, help things move along, whether it's uh, the remnant energy of a dead person or some kind of negative interaction that's going on uh, with a homeowner and a neighbor or sometimes paranormal phenomenon or attacks by birds or animals. Uh, I've run into a lot of different kinds of situations and in my attempts to read and heal the energy I've come up with the term healing houses as kind of a global uh, catch-all for the kind of work that I do. When you say signature, 
a signet you read the signature of a house what what does that mean when i talk about energy signatures in my book i'm saying that if you are trying to perceive uh, the person's energy or the energy of a certain event, you will feel that it, it has a certain frequency. And when we talk about working in the psychic energy world, we talk about the frequency of different people's energy, just as you or I are actually oscillating energetically at slightly different wavelengths. And when you feel, say, the difference between somebody loving you and somebody hating you, it's very, very obvious when you come in contact with a person who is emanating one of those two frequencies. And when you're in a home that has a really defined energy situation such as post-death or trauma of some kind you can into uh, that information by sort of logging on to what that frequency is and what it's making you feel so you walk into the house well first of all how do people find you what 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 how how does that work um mostly i've been word of mouth for years um a number of other psychics, and as well as uh, the academy where I train, people refer me. Uh, people have just sort of found me through luck because they know of people and they've been driven to distraction by things going on in their homes. Mm -hmm. For years, you know, my clients mostly were pretty much at, at wit's end by the time they would find me. Right, they call you kind of as last resort, so to speak, huh? I am definitely a, <clears throat> a last uh, resorts kind of, kind of guy, and I'm trying to change that. And definitely as weird as it was in the beginning, I think the intuitive training and you know since carolyn mace and other authors have come out with dozens of books on uh basically the theosophist theosophist model uh re retuned for the 21st century uh, people are getting more in tune with the idea that we are communicating energetically all the time and so people who have situations in their home where they understand oh i'm moving i'm buying this house and these people just died here and or i'm you know having this kind of strange communication with my mother who has died uh, or there's something about this house that i've moved into that i don't understand but it makes me feel depressed it makes me feel sick i don't want to sleep in this particular bedroom and i've turned it into a storage room and nobody else likes that room either and i just spent you know million dollars on this house <laughs> and this room is full of boxes and that's not changing yeah um and they really recognize that that is a, a situation that is manifested in the material world that they don't really have an answer for. When talk about your first experience, you, you were um, in the school, Academy for Intuition Medicine, you were attending the school, mm -hmm. and you had a friend who was also attending Sue, and your first experience in this work. Well, Sue had a kind of complicated situation where she seemed to be following by a presence. So people who would do readings for her would see uh, what appeared to be a five or eight, yeah, small, small girl dressed in sort of turn of the century, last century clothing, period you, you clothing. You would practice on each other doing yeah. psychic readings, so right. to speak. Right. And a number of people sort of ran into this and she felt that it was something that was attached to her house and she also felt that because 
Her house is a classic uh, first house built on Mount Tam, uh, owned for 60 years by this woman uh, whose parents built it for her, and then sold into a number of different hands and various things had happened. There had been dealing and a murder and a lot of funky stuff happened in this house. So there was a whole kind of combination of things that made her feel a little bit odd about living there, including these really distinct patterns of ways that she would feel uh, in relation to the position of the furniture, which was just really strange. Like she set up the, her first Christmas, she set up her Christmas tree and her couch and everything the way she wanted it. And it just didn't feel right to her. And she liked it aesthetically, it was right, but she just, and, you know, the gut feeling was like, uh, this is wrong. Shifts everything around to a way that she didn't really like and said, okay, this, this is okay, I feel okay. And one day, a knock on the door, and this woman's younger sister, who has another classic house built a little further up the hill by her parents, um, who is an octogenarian, says, oh, I just wanted to stop by, and this was my sister's house, I wanted to see how it is, and wow, you've got it just the way it was at Christmas, always. And she comes back with a photo album, you know, 1947, and 1956, and 1963, and here's the living room, just the way that Sue had set it up. So in some way, the house is dictating to her how to behave, so to speak. And this what is it... the pattern in which I am comfortable, at which I see, you know, for the house setting, you know, this is the way that human beings live here, and this is the way that it's set, and it'll feel okay like this because this is the what I know. And, you know, we're always challenged by what we know and what we don't know and most comfortable by, you know, what, what we know. So that was really a strange occurrence for her. And, um, so she kind of wanted to get a number of these things, you know, cleared out of the house and see if we could shift things. And I was very excited by this prospect and everyone in our class said, all right, we're coming. And I got there on Thursday night and nobody showed up but me. <laughs> I said, ah, this is, this is an interesting sign. Uh, perhaps this is my, to be my specialty. And we did a whole, we were there for hours, just kind of reading the energy and trying to shift the energy and make some changes and felt like things felt very different afterwards. And it kind of began, that really began my quest to understand the, uh, what I call the dynamics of human uh, energy on physical dwellings mm -hmm. and to really try to do what research I could, although it's it's an impossible research field because it is all based on feeling. Mm -hmm. It's very subjective and it's and it's subjective between two or three different people. It's very subjectively different between men and women who are much more in touch with the way that mm, their external reality is making them feel. Well, say that again. That what's what's the difference between men and women that you've discovered? I, I like to think of men as as um, men are like ham radio operators. It's got one big antenna and it's tuned mostly to one channel, and and women are sort of more like radio telescopes where they're taking in information from everyone and everything they possibly can and trying to sift it and sift it and communicate with it. So what's the upside and downside of both of those? Well, I think for me, people say, well, how did you really, how, why are you capable in this field? Or can you come to my house and tell me what it feels like? And I say, 
reading was not my specialty. I always felt sort of inferior in my classes at, at being able to really picture globally what was going on with people. But my ability to shift the energy and extract the energy and to do the healing work was always very high caliber. And I feel like I am, for whatever reason, able to uh, plow through in situations that uh, make other people ill, you know, or mm -hmm. go into homes that would make you feel really terrible mm -hmm. and do the level of work that I need to do and what needs to get done. So you you actually depend a lot on people telling you, here's how it feels to me, rather oh. than you're imposing, oh, here's and, what I feel in the... In and, the it's, and it's funny, I just, people complain, oh, you're, you know, psychic, aren't you supposed to tell me what's going on here, you know, and, and so, well, that's not really the way I work, and... If you were paying me to sit and tell you everything, you know, to sit and read your house, that would be a waste of both of our time. Because you want your house to feel the way you want it to feel. And ultimately, uh, you don't really uh, care or need to know the details of this backstory, and it could be whatever. Um, and I, since I don't live in the house, I'm not having the kind of experience that my clients do. And it is really, it's the client is the driver, they are telling me what has occurred to them, what they've felt, what they've dreamt, what is making them feel uncomfortable, so that I can you know, work with that and try and look for the signatures that would cause that effect and then do the work that I do, which is about shifting the energy. I'm here with Sheldon Norberg, and he's the author of Healing Houses. My work is a psychic house cleaner. And if you'd like to be in touch with him, you can go to his website, healinghouses.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Sheldon Norberg, and we're talking about healing houses and the energy level, the signature, you call, of a house. Uh, and I'm just wondering, what is the difference between what you do and, let's say, a feng shui expert? And, and you do know a lot about feng shui. You've oh, studied that. Oh, yes. I studied feng shui So intensely. say what feng shui is, and, and what's the difference? It's really become very clear to me in this last year of thinking because that's a, been a big question and I did practice feng shui and have, have done some and feng shui traditionally is it's part of the Taoist science groups and it is 
based on the land formation and the relationship of your home to the land formations, where you are in in directional relation to northeast, southwest, to mountains, to water, it's it's water and wind. So it's really taking in the influences of the land energy and how that is influenced by the uh, seasonal rotation of the earth. Uh, to really understand uh, feng shui, it's important to also understand batsa, which is the it's kind of an astronomical science that is calculating the rotational position of the earth to the sun all the time and that's what the whole Chinese calendar is built on and as you rotate around the sun the energy uh, according to both these sciences is shifting all the time you know one day you know on this day it's a rooster day mm-hmm. and in a in a rabbit year and you have the best energy is coming from the southeast well tomorrow it's going to be coming from the northwest or from the right. and so in feng shui there's you're trying to align the physical structure so that you're getting the best energetic read from the planet and internally in your house you're trying to align your furnishings and possessions so that you're creating the most harmonious flow of energy. But it's more of a, as I'm looking at it, a a planetary energy and flow of energy that you're dealing with. And what happened for me is that when I was studying feng shui and I was studying Chinese medicine and batsa at the same time, um, I kept coming across, you know, I was reading more advanced books from out of the country and they're saying well if you have a death in your house if you have a ghost in your house call a priest call a priest mm-hmm. and i started to think well gee you know what i've been doing for these last five or six years i'm working in houses where people have died of aids and people who bought it are you know becoming you know these leaving these rooms because they feel totally sick and have these terrifying dreams and i'm like okay um i i guess i'm some kind of priest mm-hmm. and in a very you know non-denominational sense actually i had been doing weddings uh, for years <laughs> right. before that um you know i have no relationship to any any clergy but yeah. i i feel like there's a the level that I'm, which i'm working is strictly with human energy mm-hmm. and the energy imprints of uh, some of nature spirits uh but usually in in a relationship to what humans have done and to the intense energy of humans as they're emoting and emitting around their traumatic life events. You know, in in your book, you mention how um, nature, uh, if you go out in nature, it doesn't have this this kind of a negative signature. You know, you go to Yosemite Park or you go to some mountain, Mount Shasta or wherever you live, you know, or a river or whatever. It doesn't have that. Why is it that a house has it, but you don't really find this out in nature, these like negative signatures, except where things have been despoiled. There is is confusion hill. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think there probably are some places in uh, nature that have more uh, confusing energy signatures to them, signatures mm-hmm. to them, and uh, you know the you know the planet is full of uh, interesting and, and weird spots. But I think in general, when you're out of doors, uh, first of all, you're 
in touch with the magnetic field of the Earth, and the Earth has not been mowed over and compacted and plumbed and cemented over, and you're not in a some series in a field of structures that are surrounded by electrical and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, just the idea that you're in a city which is completely paved over with you know, ground up, yeah. you know, rock. It's not the feeling of rock that's come together igneously yeah. or, yeah. or, you know, is going to just come out of the formation. earth. And you don't have that relationship to trees. They're sort of decorative rather than the inhabitants. You know, you go out in the forest and you are in, mm-hmm. you're treading in another world where the trees are the people who've been living there for hundreds right i was just in muir woods and it was so beautiful just a cathedral a natural cathedral and these things have you know 600 years living Mm -hmm. and uh, you can you can feel that if you pay any attention to a really uh, strong tree vibration and if you look in the taoist science there's a whole series of tree meditations of ways to exchange energy with trees to heal yourself in different ways and if you practice any of those you you recognize pretty quickly well these things are alive and they've got a field they have their own energy field and their own imprint and so the further you enclose yourself away from these you know elements i think the less of that energy you're getting and the more uh and that's all renewed. That's mm-hmm. you know, it rains, and it's you know, and the trees take in the water out of the earth, and they're breathing. Mm-hmm. And in you're in a house. The house is not breathing. It's not conducting uh, transpiration or respiration, or really, you know, with moving with the magnetic shifting of the earth. Mm-hmm. And you're also bombarded by whatever other devices and magnetic fields that you're you know watching TV or whatever. So right. when. I'm going to kind of shift here. Have you ever encountered um, any ghost? What 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 do you what's that energy? Usually, they're uh, somewhat trapped. I definitely have, although probably less than than you would expect given my my work as a, a psychic house cleaner. And I I thank you for not calling me a ghost buster because it's a term <laughs> I really dislike. But sure in I'd say in in my work, maybe 10% or 12% of the people who have real problems with their houses have ghosts, which I would describe as the remnant energy or the projected energy of a being from wherever we go when we're not here anymore to maintain a presence in its uh, previous form with its previous desires to either... Uh, hold on to the life it had here to communicate something that it was unable to while it was here uh, usually out of fear or anger Mm -hmm. Um, these kind of they will project themselves here and try to interact with people in some kind of way there's a one example that you give in your book and it was um I don't remember her name, but a woman, and I think her sister lived in the house, and she her legs started really hurting. Oh, yeah, Do you yeah. recall that one? Yeah. Can you t- talk a little bit about that? Uh, that was a, a fairly early client of mine, and she was a, a therapist who moved into a, a flat, and she started to feel ill. Her roommate, they felt very weird in this apartment. It was a strange apartment. When they, when they went to look at it, uh, all the prior tenants 
belongings were strewn around the apartment and hadn't been cleaned up and there was dishes in the sink and the, and the landlord said oh she moved she's left to go take care of her mom or something she went back east and i'm going to pack up all her stuff and send it to her so they said okay well, whatever and uh, moved in and pretty quickly their cat started to get sick their cat which was young and totally healthy started to get really sick and the vet couldn't figure it out and they started to feel depressed and weird and weird things started happening like the phone ringing and nobody there the lights kind of coming on and off or a tv set turns on uh stuff like that and she started to feel physically uh, this she started having these leg pains that she had never had before and started to be somewhat physically disabled by these continuous increasing pains in her legs and so by the time she called me uh, she really started <laughs> to think she was losing her mental faculties mm -hmm. she's a therapist she's used to helping people kind of straighten out their <laughs> thinking but all this weird stuff is happening to her and it's starting to have a physical manifestation and it was making her very scared and she was referred to me about three times by different people, which was pretty rare. Uh, so she... It took her three times to actually follow up, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And then I had another friend of theirs come to the house, another uh, woman who did kind of healing work. And she got violently ill and spent three days in bed after that. The healer did? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And that was uh, sort of an interesting kind of point to me about did that scare you about going in there then? No, huh? because once again, it's like, I'm a guy. I'm... I'm I'm relatively insensitive. I you know I did my training to really kind of figure out what was going on with the things that I had experienced and and to kind of focus them, not to uh, recognize you know how I was getting information all the time. Mm -hmm. My job is to tune myself up to be able to get information and do my work. And a lot of people in my class were trying to shut them, turn themselves down yeah. so they weren't hearing stuff all the time and feeling everybody else's feelings. They were too feelings. open. Right. And I think that's why women are you know, more telescopic or yeah. you know, broad scope in this broadband in this way and affected more by this kind of information. But so I went into this house and sitting in that bedroom which felt terrible to me i noticed an energy signature which i followed and had this experience of leaving uh <laughs> leaving that room leaving this country and finding myself in vietnam and becoming someone else a young man who had stepped on a landmine and been killed lost his legs and found himself there you know dying and trying to project his energy back to his room in his house now the really interesting thing about this house was that we talked to the neighbor i went with my client to talk to the neighbor about what she knew about it and there had been an old woman who lived upstairs it was her house she and her husband had lived there her husband had been dead a while but she had lived upstairs for 20 years or more no kids the woman said they never had any kids or anything and no talker uh really you know none of that but it seemed very odd to me that they had had this house for all this period of time. They had separated the house. It was a single family dwelling originally. They had cut it in half and moved into the upstairs over 20 years prior to this in the early, yeah, in the early mid seventies and never rented the downstairs for 20 years. They, they cut off the staircase. They just sort of... Right. Well, they, they kind of walled it off. Walled it off. Oh. Or turned it into an external. They did something. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, shut that down. So so she was living there until uh, it was long enough after her husband died that maybe she needed to start collecting rent. The downstairs of this house had gone untouched, which indicates to me that 
something strange is going on because (laughs) you just don't do that. Right. So I had this, you know, astounding experience with this young man and his kind of plight of being unable to communicate with his family, his parents, and that he was really trying to project himself back here and and tell his parents what had happened or, or get back to being living here. He was so totally panicked. And I think he actually appeared repeatedly to them, and that completely freaked them out. And, you know, no wonder. And that also, I think, is how my client was beginning to suffer from these uh, pulled-up leg pain problems and the whole reason for everything happening in this apartment so well let's let's finish that story in just a moment i'm here with sheldon norberg and he's the author of healing houses my work as a psychic house cleaner my name is justine willis toms you're listening to new dimensions I'm here with Sheldon Norberg, and he's the author of Healing Houses. And if you'd like to be in touch with him, you can go to his website, healinghouses.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Sheldon, we're talking about one specific example Mm -hmm. that you've worked with, and you you mentioned about clearing this house now. Uh, What what do you do when you clear a house? Well, um... You know, in that specific instance, it was a lot about trying to uh, go through the death process repeatedly with this young man and help him detach or help whatever this remnant energy was detach from its need to communicate with its his parents who were no longer there uh, and allow it to be separated from that living space and then to flush that living space out with um, higher vibrational energy so that it was no longer connected. The kind of weird thing about this job is it's been on the fly forever. And every time I thought, all right, I know what I'm doing. I'm going in there, I'm doing a house, and then I'm presented with some completely unexpected situation where I had to develop a tool out of you know thin air in order to kind of meet and effectively alter the energy of the situation and uh i've certainly become much more compassionate over time in how i try to um, sit and you know work through the emotional bindings of whatever these energies are which has been very good for me and, and good for them so you know, essentially, I try to start with a grounding practice because that's kind of the core of everything. And and when you say grounding practice, what exactly is that? That is where I am trying to align myself consciously, magnetically to the Earth because the Earth is a magnetic structure and it's sending off a magnetic field at all times. And in different places, I mean, that's one of your things about different uh, spots on the Earth, uh, folds of the earth create very different magnetic fields and the your compass can go off by several degrees mm-hmm. in different places so the feel 
I think, of those places may be distinctly different. Uh, if you're aware where there's about three grams of iron in the human body at any given time in your bloodstream, that's how it is binding the oxygen to the hemoglobin. And I think that we as living beings are magnetically conscious, although we are so busy with upper cortex activity right. that, that we forget. The, the mental chatter, we don't hear it through all that mental chatter. We don't feel it. Right. Well, have you seen this um, recent uh, kind of global study of guys looking at images of cattle on Google Earth where all these cattle groupings everywhere around the planet are always lined up north-south? I hadn't seen that. How get what 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 would we look up if we were looking that up? Google it for cattle north south alignment. <laughs> cattle north south alignment. I'll yeah. have to look that up. That yeah. sounds fascinating. Yeah. So you know, animals are you know we're like oh well, they have instinct. Well, we have instinct too, but they don't have a lot of intense cortical function. Talking about who was on right. TV today and is the <laughs> coffee hot and do I need to get to the air at three o'clock and you know all the noise you have. Yeah. So you know I think that we are aware of these things. And in some, I don't understand way, I feel that I'm able to shift the relationship of the kind of magnetic connection, the grounding connection of a house or a structure or a building by conscious intention. And that's right. about right. as crazy okay. as, it, yeah. as it gets, but, you know, my whole line of work is pretty, right. pretty weird. Well, let me ask you, uh, you talk about houses having contracts mm -hmm. and about renegotiating contracts with a house. So say something about that. Well, that was one of the things that I found about a house. In, in starting to do this work and expecting a house to sort of resemble a human on these energy levels and finding it to be not at all the same, the one thing I, I did, kept, did keep seeing was that the house had a sort of agreement with the people who had built it or bought it or originally lived there or uh, lived there most intensely. And that the house, without having a mind to look into the future or past, is just kind of taking the overlay of what's happened there and assuming that that's what, the, that's what I'm for. You know, people build this house to live in, and you know, human life is about coming in and uh, having two kids and becoming incredibly angry and getting in arguments and getting divorced and being blown out and uh, or becoming, you know, being a total alcoholic. And then, you know, that's what the pattern is. So people who move in say, oh, yeah, here I am, and I think I'll just get angry and be bummed out and get a divorce, or I'm going to, you know, start drinking till my liver is shot, or I'm going to bum out, and it's... I don't know, it's crazy to assume that there's some causality, but I, you know, I just did this house as reported in the San Francisco Chronicle. My client just got divorced, bought it out of a divorce, bought it out of a divorce. The original owners had five children who they raised in the basement. Mm. And the basement of this house was not pretty. It was, oh. it was, it was, it was still a basement. It was an under, you know, it was an underground basement it had some you know windows along the garden for you know light but it was obviously not a comfortable situation so i wonder what was the intention of the people who originally lived there and what was their relationship like on a on a family level and how did that set a footprint for what that kind of place is going to feel like and what people are going to feel like living there so would you suggest like in buying a house or or even renting a house to 
to do some research about the former tenants? Well, that's very difficult to do. It is difficult, isn't it? Unless you walk up and down the neighborhood and talk to all the neighbors, uh, you uh, the the realtors hold you at arm's length from the client. That's part of the whole realty industry is making right. it an arm's length transaction. Now, don't the realtors have to say something if there's a, like a murder there or suicide? Don't they have to disclose if that? If there's been a death that significantly impacts the property, quote unquote. Okay, but it's subjective then. Huh? You know, it's all it's very subjective. Got some w- wiggle room there. And, well, the thing that I've really been running up against, and I'm, I'm trying more and more to work with realtors because my work has been very, very good for people trying to sell their homes and who can't, and then, you know, it just turns mm-hmm. around and flies out the door because whatever the energy that they've been holding there is shifted. Uh, and people recognize that and walk into a house and they go, oh, I've looked at 60 houses I want to buy, but none of them quite feel right. right to me. And no matter how much staging you've done or whatever, you haven't changed the feel of the house or what went on there. Right. So, the but specifically to that question, you know, the realtors are really concerned about, well, has somebody died there? But, you know, if somebody has a heart attack and goes down on the floor and you call 911 and they get carted off to the hospital where they're, you know, hit with the paddles and kept alive for the next three days of wishing they were home dying mm-hmm. in their own bed. Right. All of their conscious conscious intention is like that boys focused on being back in their own room. And so while the realtor may say, well, no one's died here. Yeah. The actual intention of that person and all their right. energy is still focused on that place, you know, particularly if they're having, then they have a very difficult transition right. into death. So from my perspective, our homes are full of all kinds of cross traffic and, uh, well, that brings up the idea of what about hospitals? <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, we often get sick in hospitals. We go to hospitals and then we come out yeah. sick. Well, you know? So talk about that. Well, it's funny because I got called by a major hospital. It's been about a dozen years and now I'm waiting for them to call me back. <laughs> the board of directors of this hospital finally... Uh, did a study because they had been hit with so many reports of ghosts at night uh, of in this one particular wing, which I think had been the cancer wing, and they changed it into another wing. And the employees there, the night employees, constant turnover, reports of ghosts or you know weird paranormal occurrences going on. And in this one year that they did the study, people who worked in this wing started dying. And they looked at the entire range across the hospital, and this section of the hospital had uh, three times, uh, three levels of statistical significance, greater employee uh, lost work hours, injury, and death among employees Mm. than the rest of the hospital. They're like, okay, so okay, maybe something really is going on here. And they told the secretary to go out and find uh, find somebody to... uh, work with that and she found me and I was very very desirous of coming to meet the board and really take this on as yeah. I, I, I see that as like the ultimate project for me and I really well exactly it seems like a natural and, and it would really help the hospital and help everyone wouldn't it any well you know I had other friends who worked at ICU at Highland in Oakland and they're like oh yeah my all my the Filipino nurse friends say oh he's leaving his body and three hours later he'd be dead and you know I was like hey, but these rooms are are 
crammed with that energy of people who've just mm-hmm. suffered tremendous violence and who are uh, transitioned to death and not very pleasantly in any stretch of the imagination for most people. Uh, and that kind of is just building up and building up and building yeah. up in there. So I feel like I should be fully uh, employed full time, just spending days in hospitals trying to retain the energy. It makes sense. What can someone do to protect themselves from that energy if they need to be in the hospital and and they have a loved one there? And what what can they do? I would start with surrounding yourself with light. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a that's a interesting question um <laughs> i'm just i'm like escape from the hospital all... well i know that that there have been um instances where someone is dying and they are in the hospital and and they have friends a circle of friends mm-hmm. who will come and really assist them right. in that dying and and then provide a, a really safe container uh, in some way, like a circle of some sort. And well, that's incredibly important. Yeah. I think if you have um, crew, yeah, you know, crew, family, a gang, you know, they can really kind of support a you. Band. I want to talk about um, a little bit about the uh, five element wash, and we'll we'll just if you can. I don't talk the, about that. <laughs> 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 well, so, um, kind of going through. Uh, Various trainings in, um, well, the uh, my, a lot of my alchemical training with uh, Ralph Metzner, spoken to, uh, and looking at four directions and the elements of the four directions. And when you start studying Chinese medicine, they have a five-element system, where instead of just the four cardinal directions, which they also respect, they kind of throw earth in there. Uh, oh, well, you they mean throw, metal? They throw metal in there, yeah. which is this kind of uh, transitional energy. So I mean, we're, we were used to earth, air, fire, water. And when I started doing my practice, probably a couple of years in, and I decided, well, I need to add um, elementals. So when you work with elemental energies, you are trying to bring in the kind of level of power that uh, of a natural element. So the earth bringing the earth in at the largest, you know, mountain range aspect you can. Right. Bringing the wind at the greatest hurricane level right. you can right. and the water at the uh, Yosemite Falls level. Yes. Those are the kind of images that I'm using. We'll talk more about that those images in just one moment. I'm here with Sheldon Norberg. He's the author of Healing Houses, My Work as a Psychic House Cleaner. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. Shakti Salman 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 Salman
I'm here with Sheldon Norberg, and we're talking about um, houses and how we can make them clean of any sort of psychic debris. And uh, we're talking about the elementals that we we were talking about how you wash uh, a house. Uh, I think you what did you call it? Doing a elemental energies. Elemental energies that you work with, the five elemental washes that you do in the house. Yeah, and pretty much that comes at the end of my practice. And what I discovered over time was that I I not only wanted to remove the energy and effect of whatever had been a problem with the house, I wanted then to do a full-scale cleaning and restoration of the house in vibrational energy and in intentional imagery. And so cleaning with that, you know, originally four elements and then five elements, which the five element uh, practice, one folds into another, each each one gives birth to the next. So fire creates earth and earth creates metal and metal right, creates water. Fire, fire creates earth through right. ash, I guess. Yes. Uh, through ash. And then... Ash becomes earth. Ash becomes earth. Earth gives rise to metal. Right. We Metal is within the earth. Right. Metal gives birth to water by condensation. Okay. And water gives birth to wood. Right. And, of course, wood births fire. Because fire and where does wood. wind come? Wind is actually a, a sub-element of wood. Wind is part of the wood I mean, element. Air. The air element is not existent in Chinese, in five-element. Okay, well, if it's a five element, then it's then it's wood, uh, metal, wood, wait, fire, fire, earth, earth, water, water, metal. Well, I, I yeah, screwed up. Right. It's uh, earth, metal, water. But the wood is also in in Chinese medicine. They talk a lot about wind and the wind mm-hmm. conditions. Mm-hmm. And wind is uh, is a byproduct of wood. Mm-hmm. It sort of comes out of the same. I guess not a quadrant, a uh, septant, uh, yeah. uh, pendant. Um, yeah. And that is definitely a characteristic of a lot of conditions in, in Chinese medicine. So what about what about the ethics of working within a house? It's, is it okay to just go in and just sort of say, okay, I'm going to clean this energy out? I'm, there's I, this element of kind I of a... I assumed that to begin with until I started really running into situations that uh, I had to make some ethical choices. Uh, Certainly people would like you to do things that you may not have permission to do. And one, I think the first house that really hit me, um, I had a client, she had married a man whose wife had died and they'd been going out for a couple, three years. And he agreed that when they got married, they would uh, buy a new house together. But he sort of dragged his feet, and she moved into their house and had dreams every night that his ex-wife was smothering her. And she would wake up with, you know, pillows, you know, starving for air and with a pillow mm, <laughs> smashed over her face. And she had to start sleeping in her own house, and which was a real problem because he had three kids <laughs> that she was taking care of. So she'd have to, you know, commute back and forth to be the mom, and it was driving her crazy. And when I went to work on this house, the energy of the woman 
the former wife there, the ex-wife, was so intense. And what had happened was she had died of cancer. And she had known that she had cancer for about two years. She waited till about her 10th day left before she told her children. Because she was so completely in love and connected to them. And she, her pact was not to ever be replaced. And so the feeling in that house, her feeling in like by the bookshelf where she read to these children, in the kitchen, in the dining room where she, you know, was in connection with these children, was so strong that it really incapacitated my client who had, you know, was sort of her replacement. And so I had to do a lot of work in order to shift that relationship to allow her to, you know, be functional in the house and be the mother that these kids needed because they don't need a dead mother. Right. But... In order to try to completely remove that energy from the children's room, I kind of sort of paused there to think, well, if I was dead and I was in love with my children, whose right would it be to uh, try to eliminate me and my connection Mm -hmm. to them before they make a conscious choice to do that? And when you work in a house where people are being divorced or, uh, you know, a lot of times I worked for women who don't, don't tell my husband, I don't want my husband to know. And, okay, well, there's something about your husband's relationship with some article or something here, which I feel I don't have now permission to, uh, to change because he's not in agreement with me about what the work I'm doing. And I can't really, don't really want to take on that uh, karma of, of, you know, shifting something without permission. So there is a lot of, of kind of in that case, ethical decisions I've right. had to make on in the In that case, how, what, what did you end up doing? I sort of leave, well, I left this woman's energy in terms of the bedrooms of the children and her attempts to connect to her children. I sort of left that alone. The rest of the house, I cleared and changed the agreement so that she wasn't really capable of being in connection there. Um, and in houses where I'm working with two different people, I sort of, if there's somebody who's not in the, uh, not a signatory <laughs> to the work, uh, I will leave certain situations and sort of let my client know, well, I had to kind of leave this alone and this may come up. And if you want me to look at it again in the future, or if your husband wants me to look at it, I'll do that. Um, but I, I try not to affect things that I feel would be interfering right. with other people's personal relationships, particularly when they're a relationship to another, to a third person, you know, a dead person. Right. You know, do you want me changing your relationship to a, to your mother, or do you want to be able to hold on to whatever thread you need to until you're done processing that? Right. Uh, you know, there, there were a couple of instances that you speak about in the book, examples uh, where. I, I found it fascinating where there it involved birds, <laughs> and uh, can you can you tell about one of those? Uh... Well, the, the first house I had um, worked on that was being attacked by birds was being attacked by two different kinds of birds: by robins on one side, a bedroom on one side of the house, and by like nuthatch, little brown things on the other side. And they had different patterns of attack, which would go on from about dawn till. 11 or noon every morning and these two bedrooms were it was an addition to the house where they cleared out the back of the house or behind the house knocked down a big 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 tree 
built a patio and on either side of that these sort of half A-frames that stuck off the back of the house and each of those had a window on the back and these birds would attack these windows every morning and these were the, the two main bedrooms of the house because interestingly the interior bedroom that uh, my client didn't like sleeping there. She felt it was really uncomfortable. So she's sleeping in this room that's being attacked every morning, being woken <laughs> up at dawn by a crazy robin. And I, you know, one of my other friends is like, oh, well, they could have been seeing there, you know, looking up all these scientific explanations. Oh, well, if right. they see another bird, they'll fly into a window. Or right. they think that's, yeah. you know, they'll vie for territory. But even with a bird brain, would you go about this day in, day out for over a year, uh, you know, constantly all morning long? I, I don't, I, I think that seems a little uh, unlikely. And what I found was that these birds had been very attached to this tree that was now just a stump. This was the hub for the entire city of the fields that went on beyond the, behind this house. And that not only were they very connected to this property through the, you know, what looked like a phantom limb to me, the mm -hmm. tree that was no longer there. The house had a, a plumbing problem. It was had a crack in the pipe under the foundation, so it leaked water. So when I pulled up in front of the house, I saw there was a water leak going out into the gutter in front of the house. And my client said, yeah, the landlord can't fix that because, you know, the, the water company's been out and they know it's leaking, but it would take a, you know, crack open the foundation kind of problem to get to this pipe and stuff. And they don't want to do it. Well, when I shifted my consciousness to be one of these birds, because part of my job is like shifting out of my human consciousness and trying to communicate with what's ever going on there. And I'm looking through the bird vision at what it's seeing and why it's trying to get in this window. And it appeared to me that the bird was looking down through the window as if it could get down to water. Like you uh -huh. could see right down through the house and down to where this water was apparent. Right. So not only is its tree home gone, but here where it's like used to landing and roosting, there now seems to be a water source that it cannot get to. And it is hammering, hammering, hammering every morning. And, and mm -hmm. on both sides of the house, these two different, you know, kinds of birds doing this. And so I shifted that appearance and shifted the feel of the house and shifted the grounding and made my apologies to the tree that was looked like a phantom limb to me mm -hmm. and tried to do through my layered processes of meeting these energies and shifting them, change the whole diagram for what the house looked like to a bird. And and it worked? No more birds? Oh. No more birds. Next day they were gone. Never, oh my gosh. Never returned. That's very, very impressive. It was. And and that's one of the things I was like, okay, well, you can say whatever you want about my, you know, whatever I said to this ghost and now the ghost that you don't believe in is gone or whatever. But the clients I've had with distinct physical manifestations that have occurred in their houses that end immediately uh have always kind of impressed me with the wonder of this work. Well, it is very impressive. And um, I know that there's so many more examples we can talk about that people will just have to read my find, book. Find the book, <laughs> go to the website, find the book, and uh, read just these fascinating stories of um, different kinds of healings. I mean, you, you've just gone to many, many different kinds. Thank you so much, Thank Sheldon. You.
for being with us. I've been speaking with Sheldon Norberg, and he's the author of Healing Houses, My Work as a Psychic House Cleaner. And if you'd like to be in touch with him, you can go to his website, healinghouses.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3412. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions. Thank you.